I'm just excited that he's here to share with us today. Uh, very seasoned man of God who knows the Lord, knows the voice of the Lord. And uh, so I'm just excited. You know, I'm not going to give a lot of pomp and circumstance. I'm just going to let him come and uh, share what the Lord has on his heart. But I just encourage and challenge you to have open heart to hear from what the Lord has to say. Amen. Ben, come on up, bro. Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here. I feel like I got a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an underdog because uh, I know you guys can smell the food going on. So. <laughs> That's the worst case for a long-winded preacher when you got a bunch of food already. I can see it. Nobody turn around. See it. They haven't started the grill yet, have they? Oh, it's already going. No one opened the door. Um, but we're going to, we got another food, huh? Right? Jesus. Uh, can you pull up Haggai 2.7, please? And uh, for you guys that, sorry, may not know me or have not been here, uh, my name's Ben. My wonderful wife in the back, we're celebrating seven years of marriage today. And uh, it's been a wonderful seven years. Haggai 2.7. All you really need to know about us is uh, Jesus really messed me and my wife up, and we just intend to uh, mess the rest of the world up the way he messed us up. So, um, when, when Todd asked me to share, I'd already had something that God had been messing with me in my heart on. Can you get that? She's pulling up. And um, I'm not really sure. This may just come out as a big shotgun blast. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say a whole lot of stuff until I say something. But um, <clears throat> this is something that's been on my heart. Uh, we've, me and my wife have traveled all over the world, uh, spoken to many churches. And about, about a year ago, the Lord began to do something to me. I, I was in a church, and uh, this was my third time in this church. And, you know, I know that um, I don't mind speaking to churches, but I, I, like, I like finding people that haven't heard about the gospel yet. That's really where I, that makes me excited. So I'm in this church, and this is an amazing church. This is, not a, uh, this is in no way a downer to this church. I love the pastors and the people there. But I was about to speak, and I looked around, and I realized that exactly the same things were going on that were going on a year ago, and exactly the same amount of people were in that church. And uh, something happened to me right then. And uh, I said, well, what am I doing? Here, here I am. I'm a guest speaker and we got the same amount of souls saved. The boat still looks the same. Everything <laughs> says the same. Great worship. Everyone's in love with the Lord. Um, but nothing had changed. There was no, nothing had happened. And that wasn't a downer. These guys were, these guys were amazing. I love them. In fact, I'm you know, in a great relationship with them. And it wasn't, it wasn't to them. It was a challenge to me where the Lord said, Ben, what have you done to make them lift their eyes? You remember in, in Matthew, have you guys ever read in Matthew 9 where Jesus, he asked the disciples, he says, lift your eyes. The harvest is ripe. 
Why did he ask them to lift their eyes? Because they had focused on themselves. They had focused on their little group, right? They're focusing on everything they got in front of them. And Jesus is saying, hey, excuse me. You need to lift your eyes up. Lift them up. Everything's not here. Everything's not uh, your little world, your bills, all that. It's, there's more to that. So um, anyways, after that, I, I, you know, I, the father had been kind of wrestling this thing through me. And I think I shared maybe the testimony here about last year I got my first chance to go to an unreached people group. Do you know what an unreached people group is? That's a people that, have, that have, doesn't, they don't even know that Jesus Christ exists. The Bible that you hold in your hand, they've never heard of. That's an unreached people. That means that no one has contacted them ever with the gospel. You say, do you know who Jesus is? They say, I don't know, maybe check the next tribe. And from it, his name is not known there. So I got my first encounter with that last year, and it, it kind of messed me up for this, uh, this gospel. And so anyways, I, I'm going to share some stuff with you guys. Um, anyways, I'm going to read it from my passage. It says, I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Read that again. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. They shall come to the desire of all nations. What is he saying here? He's saying there's something inside of every human being that gets born on the planet. The moment that they are, are born, see, because Jesus, God, he fashioned them in, in, in the womb, right? So there's something inside of them, whether they know it or not, whether they're striving for, you know, success, whether they're in Hollywood, whether they're homeless on the streets, there's something in their very being that they were, they were in their DNA, so to speak, that says, you know, I have to know God. I have to know him. I was born to know him. And, you know, recently when I went to these unreached people uh, in uh, the Huicholes in, in Mexico, they were pagans, right? So they're worshiping the sun, they're worshiping everything, and they, they practice religion because of one thing, because they have something inside of them that cannot be fulfilled, it cannot be satisfied with that hunger. There's an itch that they're born with, that every human being gets born with. You can say you're an atheist or not. You, you, can, do any, you can say that you don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. You have something created in your very being that is only quenched by the desire of all nations, every man and woman, right? And so... Um, I feel like, and I was just praying for the river, and um, I feel like you guys have reached a place of maturity, and it's a place of uh, fulfillment where, where God wants to begin to bear fruit. You know in the natural, right, a, a, a man or a woman cannot produce a child until they've reached a certain age. Everybody, young kids, cover your ears. <laughs> right? They have to what? They have to mature. Am I Right? Right, they can't, they can't, that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing five-year-olds don't have children, even though we got a lot of them that are even younger, uh, that are, I mean, that are too young. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason that they have to mature so that they can handle, handle the actual responsibility of another, another person being born, right? And I feel like you guys are in this place. I feel like you've reached a beautiful maturity. Uh, Todd and, and, and the team here just uh, ministering in the Word, growing up into the maturity of Christ. And I feel like there's a, this is a moment, an, an actual, like an, an epic moment to shift where it's, almost, it's time to get into the harvest field. The same way with a son and a father, right? A son, you know, when he's a little child, he's not going to be laboring at, at two years old. But when he reaches a mature age, typically, and especially in older cultures, 
that that son would then join the father in his labor. Right? right? He would then join it. So, but before that time, what the father and the mother, what did they do? They simply, they nourished. They nourished the child. Right? But once he had reached a certain stage in his life, the same way with me, my, I worked with my father, I think at 14 is when I started working. Right? So I grew to a place where it's time to join in the family business. And I feel like that's right where you guys are at. I feel like there's a new joint. I love the passage that, um, that Todd shared about being uh, yoked. You know what the yoke was for, right? It was, it was to plow the ground. It was to get in the harvest. So he's saying, you know, being yoked with me, being joined with me to, to work in the harvest field. Does that make sense? So I feel like that, I feel like you guys are at this moment, but in my, kind of my heart today is to see if I can just really mess you up for the gospel, to see if I can just do something that's going to just absolutely ruin you completely, head over heels where you just can't, never can recover ever again, that you would get such a burden, such a passion such your eyes would be lifted up to such a degree that every person you see, every, as we're walking about, as you're doing your daily activities, every soul that you see, you would see there's an opportunity for, for someone to walk into the kingdom of God. Yes. There's a lost son or a lost daughter. Yes. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> that's a place of maturity. So that's my goal. I'm going to share a couple things. Um, I feel like, you know, and, and we've, had a, we've had an honor to be, like I said, to, to be through so many streams. There's so much. The body of Christ has so much going on. It's amazing. I, I, love, I love everything. Um, but what I want to make sure is that so much stuff that starts to, a lot of new things start to happen. There's this new word. There's this new thing that we need to focus on this. God's saying this. The Spirit of the Lord's saying this. Let me tell you what he's always saying. Go. He's, that's always being said. Okay? So you, I, there could be messages. There's good things. I, and I, I am for everything that Jesus is doing on the planet. But I can guarantee you there's one message that has been echoed from the moment that Jesus was rose from the dead and the entire ground shook. And that message was, go into all the world. That message didn't change. That message won't change ever. You don't, we don't graduate from that message. And if you're not doing that message... You haven't graduated ever. You're not, you, can't be a, you can't be in love with God and, and not have a passion for, for the loss. It's not possible. And, these are, I, and what I'm sharing with you guys, I hope this doesn't come off as a, like a condemnation thing. These are things that the Father's doing in my heart, you know? It's a few things I was just reading. I have a buddy who's, um, we, we dialogue sometimes, and he... Uh, He's in the Middle East laying down his life for the gospel right now, and he, he's just an incredible evangelist. But he wrote me something. I was just talking to him about evangelism, and he, he had this thing that he wrote, and I just wanted to read it. It says that he, Jesus came to the earth for people. He came to heal people. He came to set people free. He was moved with compassion for people. He died for people, resurrected for people, ascended and poured out his spirit for people, comes to live by his spirit inside of people, and he will come back for people. Many times people expect to have compassion when they do not do much more than sitting in a church building or only spending time with people they already know. 
Jesus sees the need through your eyes. He hears about the need through your ears. He walks to them through your feet. He touches people through your hands. And he loves people through your heart. Uh, That's what it's all about. And so as, as we're celebrating, I feel like this is a celebration. What's one thing that makes the angels celebrate? Someone coming into the kingdom. And so, again, I'm going to echo this over and over. Lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up. It's awesome what God's doing here. I absolutely love the presence of the Lord. You know, but we have to keep the eyes up. Um, you know, Jesus, when, let me read this scripture here. Again, just bear with me. I'm a, I'm a pacer and a walker, and you'll get something out of it sometime. I love this. Um, Mark 1, and um, I'm going I'm to kind of give you a synopsis of this because a, a lot of passages. But uh, Peter came to Simon Pe- uh, Jesus had came to Simon Peter's house, right? He heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, great revival. Everyone in Simon Peter's town is, is surrounded and, in, in, you know, is in Simon Peter's house. Miracles are taking place. Uh, just amazing, you know, revival like probably you've never seen, at least I haven't, where every disease was healed. But it says something in Mark 1.35. It says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him. And they said to him, Everyone's looking for you. What did he say? Let us go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for this is the reason I came. This is the reason I exist. This is why I am here. I have, st- I have come for this purpose. You know, uh, years ago, we were in a, me and Heather were in a class, and uh, we were learning about the, uh, the prodigal son. And uh, uh, it was actually Dan Fairley from Bethel. He was just beautiful, had a beautiful message. And he said... Uh, he was talking about the difference between the two sons in the prodigal story, and he, and he made this statement, and it forever kind of messed with me. He said, it's impossible to be close to your father and not realize that he's looking out the window for those that aren't home. It's impossible to be close to your father and not know that. It's impossible. And that's not a, that's not a heavy burden. That's a beautiful burden. That's one that we get to carry with him. As we, as we grow closer to the Father, and we want more of his heart, and I, I got this beautiful, uh, this, the Lord gave me this vision the other day. He said, you know what, Ben? I've got one eye, and it's set completely on you, and it's madly in love with you. But my other eye is on the earth, on the world, on the people of the world. That's, that's the way I look. So I am madly in love with you, and I am desperate for them. So I don't know about you, but I would love to be, I would love to be moved with the whole heart of God. I'm going to read that passage I was talking about. Uh, in Matthew 9, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every sickness and disease among them. When the, when, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, so here, here you have, this is, a beautiful, this is a beautiful analogy. You've got this moment Jesus is having with his 12 disciples, right? And he, he's looking at this, and he turns to them, and this is what he says. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
And I know these messages have been, have been spoken. I know you've probably heard it. How many people have been in church for more than 10 years? So you've heard this. I'm not, I'm not looking for you to hear it. I'm looking for you to feel this. There's a big difference. You know, there's a living word and there's a dead word. One has a spirit. One is just religion. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking if there could be one person in this room today that would be wrecked forever. I'm fine with that. So if you're here and if God's doing something, he's doing something in your heart. Lift your eyes. Respond to this. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So there's plenty of work, but there's few people that want to work. (laughs) There's plenty to do. Um, Pull that link for me. Check this out. You guys ever seen this? This is the U.S. and the world population clock. Down here, right here, is every, there's a death every 12 seconds. And a new person is born into our planet every 8 seconds. <laughs> just keep that playing. Um, this is just there's so much to do. It's so much, and it's so good. But I, again, I'm not trying to get people to strive. I love the, the passage that, that uh, Todd shared. When we get yoked with him, he's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He doesn't want to camp out. You remember P- Peter? You can you imagine Peter? He's like, man, finally, everybody in my city likes me. All right? They're all at my house. Everybody's being healed. And Jesus says, we got to go. There's more stuff to be done. You guys ever heard the... Uh, you guys ever heard of uh, Leonard Ravenhill? Anybody ever heard of him? I got a couple quotes. Leonard Ravenhill is just an old fireball, but uh, he'll mess you up here. Listen to this, listen to this, uh, this poem he wrote. Could a mariner sit idle if he heard the drowning cry? Could a doctor sit in comfort and just let his patients die? Could a fireman sit idle, let men burn, and give no hand? Can you sit at ease in Zion with the world around you damned? Again, there's a place of maturity, and I believe with all my heart that that the Father is saying, sons and daughters, it's time to join me in my labor. Right? To to be that yoke, to get yoked. It's not a burden. It's a a beautiful thing. Here's one from uh, Charles. Anybody know Charles Spurgeon? He's kind of from the... From the hip shooter, this is what he has to say. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. <laughs> That's good. I wonder what our death total's at yet. I know we got a lot of new ones for everybody to get out there and get after it. There's plenty of work to be done. Uh, our... Uh, president of our Bible, uh, Bible college we went to used to say this. He said that the pe- people that need freedom the most often get it the least. And I want to I highlight on this. I feel like the Father, I feel like if th- there's a group of people in this room that not only can you make an impact in Gibsonville, but you can make an impact that would cascade and cascade and cascade onto eternity. And it, not just people being saved around you, not just your work people, I'm talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands. If we will, ro- if we will allow the Holy Spirit to let us, let our eyes lift up, we'll allow our eyes to lift up, and we we'll go. Um, 
Anyways, Dr. Brown, our, our uh, president of our Bible school, used to say this. The people that need freedom the most often get it the least. Why? Because they're not in here. <laughs> they're not in here. They're out there. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. And uh, this, is, this is the, uh, at least in my, in my life, this is the person that I saw the most radical transformation with. I was in the Philippines um, a few years back. And we were preaching, we were doing a, a miracle crusade, and we're up in this tribal region. And uh, during the day, we're just teaching about, you know, the gospel, Jesus being inside of you, you know, you having a destiny. And, um, and so during the day, we decided just to do like Matthew 10, right? Just go out and heal people. And, uh, and I'm saying this for a reason, because most of the people that need freedom the most get it the least. And so we scatter around this, we're in this trash dump. I don't know if you've ever seen anything in, in the you know, foreign mission field, but they don't have nice trash places like we do. They pile them all in this pile, and because of the poverty level is so extreme, people begin to live there. So we're in this trash dump. We're preaching the gospel. Jesus is moving. Miracles are happening. Blind eyes are seeing. Deaf ears are opening up. You know, tons of people are coming to know Jesus. And during the day, you know, we just go out, and we start to uh, just, just share, share this gospel. We just simply go out. We weren't armed with anything, but Jesus is inside of us. And uh, these were people that, that most of them couldn't read. So they, did not, they had not read the Bible. They were, just, they were just saying, okay, I believe these guys are right, so I'm going to listen to them. So we go out, and um, I'm preaching, and I'm in this little family in a hut, and all of a sudden, uh, one of our Filipino um, disciples, they come up, and they're, Pastor Ben, Pastor Ben, Pastor Ben, come, come, come. Sorry. Um, you know, you got to come help me. Come help me. I'm like, okay, okay. So they bring me to this person. And uh, what it was, it, it was a lunatic. And we don't see a lot of them roaming the streets and stuff here. But she was, actually, she was, um, she was actually also a fortune teller. So anyways, they bring me to her. And she had sat in this trash pile um, in one place about this size for over two and a half years. She had sat in one spot. She'd use the bathroom on herself, her whole face, I mean, she had, she had a film on her skin. Every, every piece of hair was matted, nasty, uh, and uh, she was demon-possessed, real demon-possessed. <laughs> and so, uh, so I find her, and they're all like, come on, God will set her free, right? And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> now, I'm an American. You know, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen a human being sit on their own feces for two years. You know, so I'm talking about the people that need it the most get it the least. And so here I am, I'm praying for her, and of course inside of me saying, well, just give her a prayer and, and go on and explain this away to these people. Right? Right? So I'm getting this thought in my head, right? And then secondly, I get another thought that says, shut up, devil. Right? So this woman, she's talking to me, she's actually talking to me in another voice. I'm talking about real demons. She's, talk, she's yelling out stuff. She knows stuff. She's... She's saying things about my life, and uh, we're sitting in a pile of literally of poop, right? It stinks. We're everywhere, and so um, something rises up in me, and I just say, you know what? That's it. Uh, this lady's getting free. I don't care what happens. I'll be here till I die, and so uh, I scoop her up. She's screaming. She's about this big. She's a little Filipino woman, and I scoop her up and throw her over my shoulder, and uh, she's screaming and yelling and... and uh, but we had a church about, about half a mile away that we had built. And uh, so we, me and my buddy, 
we're running because she's heavy and she's smacking us and stuff. And we're tossing her back and forth. Your turn, man. I can't keep holding her. And uh, now I have her, her, her feces all over my body, right? <laughs> all right. So we're running back and forth. We're running down. And when we're in it now. And uh, we're, we're all in, all in. And uh, we get her down to the church. Thank God uh, the women, some of the women from the church there, uh, cut her clothes off of her. They were stuck to her body. They hand wash her. They shave her head. Thank God. And uh, they put a fresh pair of clothes on her. Right. And then, uh, and then me and my buddy, we're sitting here. We're like, well, you know, we got a meeting. We got a crusade tonight, man. And, uh, and we're, both, uh, we're both trying to pass the buck. Who's going to sit here with this lady and try to pray for her for God to deliver her? And we finally say, okay, man, we both did this. We're, we're in it. Let's go for it. So we pass the buck over to one of the, disciples, uh, one of the disciples. They preach the crusade, and we go in this little bitty hut. And for nine hours, sorry, you heard me, nine hours, we lay hands on this lady. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. She's, she's, she's gnarling. She's talking to other voices. She's puking up different weird stuff, man. I mean, I'm talking exorcist stuff, okay, real deal stuff. And we're in this little bitty hut. It's 110 degrees. We're sweating. Nine hours, praying, praying, praying. It's about 4 a.m. in the morning. And uh, by this point, we're ready to go, right? We're ready, okay. We ain't got whatever it takes. And uh, <laughs> she's still talking to voice. And uh, her eyes, her eyes were like a, looked like a lightning bolt who went through her eyes. I mean, she, she had some stuff going on here. And we're about to leave, and I, and I just, something rose up in me, the same thing that rose up in me when I said, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to bail out on this one. And... Uh, so I just command in the name of Jesus, demon, you will leave this woman and she will, be, she will have her mind back this second. And all of a sudden, this foam begins to flow out like a fountain out of her mouth, right? She begins to flow and flow and flow. And then all of a sudden, tears begin to come out. And then she lifts her hands up and she begins to worship Jesus. She begins to worship and worship and worship Jesus. She begins to thank Jesus for saving her soul. She begins to thank him. And I'm not asking her to do anything. I'm not saying do this with me. This ain't one of those pray this prayer with me. Nothing's happened. I'm talking about a power encounter with a living God rescuing a soul. And so she's weeping, she's weeping, and, and all of a sudden she gets radically born again. I'm talking about she's in her right mind. This lady did not know where she was for six years. The last memory she had was six years ago someone had kidnapped her and dropped her in that trash dump. And she got demon-possessed. I'm talking about a living gospel, friend, a living gospel. You don't get the, you don't, you don't, people don't see that. I guarantee you there's more people like that right here around us within 10 miles of this place. There is a, there is an alcoholic. There is a demon possessed person. There is a person that wants to commit suicide today. They want to kill themselves today. They do not believe that there is a living Jesus today. They are right here. They are outside of this wall right now. Within five miles, I bet we could find a thousand people that, that are absolutely broken. But guess what? They're five miles away. They're not in this building. <laughs> oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And in case you were wondering, she's still a part of that church, fully redeemed. I mean, you don't get that stuff. That stuff is just, that's the gospel. That's, that's when Jesus says, get up, we're going. And I believe this, I believe you guys have been doing amazing I really do. This is, again, I, I hope this doesn't come off as a, as, a, as a scolding as much as a, come on, let's go for it. 
That's, what the, that's my whole purpose of this, you know. Um, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Uh, it's just about going. It's going. Let me tell you, you guys want another story? Again, we, we sat through Bible schools. We've sat under Bill Johnson. We've sat under Reinhard Bonnke. We've sat under Heidi Baker. And, and it's, we've, we've been, been blessed to be under a lot of people. And uh, I can tell you honestly that there's no greater joy than just sitting with someone that's never heard the gospel. There's something about that, you know, and, every, and, and you know, you see uh, amazing, there's amazing stuff going on, but uh, I, I feel a, a passion to say, you know what, there's a lot of messages, but one hasn't changed. The one where the church gets up and they actually go and they impact the world, right? Like Todd said today, you weren't saved just so you could make it to heaven. Can you imagine if you did that? Can you imagine if you lived this life only for this life? What would it be like? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here, here we got the throne room set up, right? It's set up, and we have every tribe and tongue that has ever lived from the beginning of time until then. And here you are, <laughs> and your name gets called out. And they say, well, you got your name in the book, and that's where the story ended. <laughs> this, this is the way I think. I'm sorry. This is stuff that goes on in my mind. Jesus, Jesus. So, so anyways, uh, one day, you know, we're just out, um, you know, it's, it's just about going, just going and doing something. You, can, you don't have to know anything. You don't have to know everything. You can know Jesus touched my life, and I want to tell you about it. That's, right. That's all you have to know. That's more impactful than, than schooling someone. You know, you can bring them into church. That's, that's great, but why don't you just say, hey, Jesus, I encountered a living Jesus, and I just want to tell you about it. I just want to tell you about it. I tell you what, the moment you open your mouth, God will come. A lot of people, a lot of people are praying, God use me, but they don't get up. <laughs> How many times have you heard that prayer? Oh, I just want to be used. I just want to be used. You can't be used if you're not doing anything. You have to actually go. God use me to impact people. Just say something. Just open your mouth. Just say, hey, you right there at the cashier. I want to tell you. You have a destiny. I'm going to tell you this story. So I'm going, uh, we're doing something real spiritual. Me and my wife are out. We're finished the service, and we're going home. And uh, there's this little joint that just makes these awesome little root beers, right? They're a local, local root beer, and they're really good. And it's about 11 o'clock at night, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get a root beer. And so I swing in this little uh, convenience store. It's one of the only places that carry these root beers. And uh, long line, it's like 11 o'clock. There's like eight people in line. But I noticed that this woman it has these, um, she has these braces on her arm. So I began to uh, just share with her the gospel a little bit, tell her that Jesus will heal her. You know, God uses me to do miracles. And she's kind of, I can tell she's getting frustrated because we had six people in line and nobody but her there. And so I said, okay, you know what? Uh, let me see your hands. Be healed in Jesus' name. Give her my dollar and I take off. And uh, again, just open my mouth. Nothing, felt nothing, looked like the weird guy in line, you know, whatever. So I come back about, um, what, about two weeks later, babe? About two weeks later, and uh, we're there. I don't know what we're doing at that time, probably getting a root beer again. And um, I asked for her, and they go get her out of the back. And she comes, and she's weeping. She's weeping, and she's weeping, and she goes, I can't believe you're real. I can't believe you're real. I can't believe you're real. So well, yeah, I'm real. And uh, 
And she said, I can't believe you're real. She said, when you left, I felt something go up my arms. And every bit of pain left, and I took off my braces. I was 100% healed. And she said, I took, um, I called my sister, who's a believer, and I told her that I was visited by an angel. An angel came through my checkout and met me that night. And she said, I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm now a believer. I joined the church. She said, I, I, I've changed my life. And, and I said, well, wow. Be healed in Jesus' name. Have a good day. I opened my mouth. That's it. Nothing else. It wasn't anything. She didn't know who I was. She, I didn't hold a degree and tell her I was right. She was wrong. Nothing happened. I said, Jesus is alive. He's going to show you he's alive. Watch this. Totally radically changed. Can anybody say Jesus is alive? How about Jesus loves you? <laughs> he wants to touch you. That's pretty simple, huh? So I got a couple things before we end. Is this good? Is this okay? Yes. How many of you really want, you know what, you see, you know what? How many of you prayed that prayer before? God used me. How many, when you prayed that prayer, you expected something was just going to take control of your whole body and, <laughs> and make you do something? It hadn't happened to me yet, right? You're going to be preaching in your sleep or something, right? You're going to be escorted out in a, in a vision and remember that? <laughs> Hasn't happened to me. I'm going to read this. We're celebrating today, right? We're celebrating this. I'm celebrating our marriage today. It's a wonderful day for us. And I want to read about a, uh, about a, a little celebration, a little party. Oh, it's so good. So good, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Oh, thank you, Lord. Luke 14, 15 through 24. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper, this is Jesus, and invited many, and sent out his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are ready. But one by one they began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of land, I have to see it. The other one said, I have bought a five yoke of oxen. I, go test, I have to go test them. Still another one said, I married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported the, these things to his master. Then the master of the house, began, being angry, said to his servants, Go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come, that my house may be full. That's not this church, that his house would be full. For I say to you that those who are invited were not worthy of my supper. And check this out. I don't know about you guys, but I, I just want to be a I want to be a soul saver. I just want to I just want to go for it. Uh, Revelation 19, right? Let's rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Well, this is just a theory I have. Again, this isn't the Bible, uh, so don't don't say that this was from the Bible. This is not from the Bible. But this is a theory. I believe that when you sit down at the Great Supper, the people beside you 
are those that you affected for the gospel. It's just a personal belief. It doesn't mean that's right. <laughs> I'm not in charge of the assigned seating in heaven. I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling that when you sit down, when you look around, right, here you are, this huge celebration. I believe when you look to your left and your right, the people that are going to be surrounded, you're going to be those that you in some way affected to make it there. And I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to sit alone. Right? You want to be that person down at the end all by yourself? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Oh, man, I, that stinks. You know? I believe that the Father today, this is what I believe, and I, we're going to pray here in a second. I believe the Father is going to give you invitations. Invitations. He's going to give you invitations. Those invitations are going to have names on them. We're going to pray today. We're going to pray that, the, that you would receive invitations. And they will have names of people that you know. And they may, have, they may just be for people you're yet to see. But we're going to receive invitations and we're going to give them out. We're going to give them out. One more story here. Have I said anything yet? Look at the world population here. That's crazy. You know that I did the math, right? I took this figure here, and I did the math, and there's about 125,000 real born-again churches in America, okay? About 100, no, I'm, yeah, about 125,000, and if uh, what they say, the population of America is about, uh, about 300 million. Well, there it is right there, 300 million. <laughs> And according to studies, they say that we, we boast that we're about 80% Christian. So if you eliminate that and say that 40% of that's religion, let's say 40, uh, 40% of 300 million is 125 million. If you divide 7 billion by 125 million, you get 56. 56. 56 people. <laughs> that's it. So we got about 125 million real believers in Jesus in America. I'm talking about one country, us. And if you divide that world population by that figure, that means that each individual, if they led 56 people in their lifetime to the Lord, that, they, that we would impact the entire globe. Just 56 people. That's not to say what those people that you impact would then impact. <laughs> Jesus. Who's ready to grow up, Amen. right? Grow up into the fullness of the Godhead? All right, Jesus. Just want to talk about things that impact heaven. Things that impact heaven. Let's turn to Luke 15. Got a couple parables here. We're going to blast through this. Jesus is going to move with some fire. And if you guys want to, you can go eat food afterwards. I'm just messing with you. Um, I just read the dinner story and if you, about being invited. And you go over here. I, you know, I want to go down to 15.7. It's talking about repenting. He says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 10, talking about the lost coin. In the same way I tell you there is joy in the presence of angels. Over one sinner who repents. Okay, check this out. You guys know the, par the prodigal son story, right? 
Yes or no? Anybody that doesn't know it, I'll rehide. Okay, good, good. I want to draw your attention to one little passage here. Jesus. So the son, obviously, he, he takes his inheritance. Uh, he he, he uh, spends it all. And uh, he says in verse 18, 15, 18, he says, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. So he got up and he came to his father. And listen to this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. How do you think he saw him a far way off? Every single day. He was looking. Where did he have his eyes? He had his eyes lifted up. Where? To the hill. He was looking for his son to come home. He had nothing else in his mind. He was thankful for his children that were in the work. They were busy, but in his heart, he was looking. He was looking. He was looking. Have you stopped and looked? Have you stopped and looked? Have you wondered, why has this cashier got so much stuff it looks like it's all over? How about this family member of you stopped and looked, just looked. Remember it said that Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion. He looked in their eyes. He saw them. He was filled with something. He didn't have an exciting church with blow-ups. He was filled with the passion of the Father. His Father was looking, so he was looking. How many people are guilty of looking at yourself, looking during your day? It's all about, I mean, I am. I, I run a business. There's some days I get home, and I've thought about nothing but my own stuff. Talking about lifting our eyes, looking up, looking up. He is looking every single day, every single day. I'm going to read this, and we're going to pray. He came to earth for people. He came to heal people. He came to set people free. Moved with compassion for people, he died for people, he was resurrected for people, he ascended and poured out his spirit for people, comes to live by his spirit for people, and he will come back for people. Jesus sees the need through your eyes, he hears about the need through your ears, walks to them through your feet, touches people through your hands, and loves them through your heart. I'm going to end with this passage that Pastor Todd said. We're about to celebrate, and we have something to celebrate about. We have a wonderful gospel. We have the best news in the earth. Every day, we have it. We have it. It is ours. It is our possession. It, is, it has been given freely to us. We can celebrate every single day, as long as you don't think this party is just about you. <laughs> it's about everyone. He wants every single one to be invited, every single person to get an opportunity. I remember last year when I sat there, I, we had just led this, this entire tribe of, 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 of Aztec Indians to the Lord, and I asked them this question. I said, have you ever experienced anything like this? And this woman that was getting touched up front, she looked over at me, and she said, we have never felt in our lifetimes the presence of God. So wonderful. We just serve a wonderful gospel. Wonderful Jesus. All right. We're going to make some angels celebrate too today. Uh, where did you read from? Was it Matthew 11? That's what. <laughs> and at this time, Jesus, uh, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. 
So any of these things, if anything's burdensome, come to him, right? Take his yoke, right? Take his yoke upon him, right? What do they do? They yoke two oxen together so that the workload was shared. <laughs> so the workload was shared. I don't know about you, but I sure don't want the portion that I was supposed to help out on. I don't want the father to say I had to, I had to fill, get a fill in. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, let's, I want you to, we're going we're gonna to stand up. There's no worship. I want everyone to stand up. We're going to do, do something. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I want you just to close your eyes. Um, years ago, this something, a preacher came into our, our Bible school. We're almost there. We're going to eat soon. Don't be afraid. Just stay here. <laughs> um, a minister came to our, our, uh, to our Bible school, and he, he was preaching about carrying a burden for a soul. And he had, us, he had us pray, and he said, God, give me a name. Give me one name of one person that you want me to impact. And um, when I was praying, this is about eight years ago, uh, I was praying, and, and my, uh, I had an aunt, my Aunt Gail, came to my mind. And I just began to pray for began to pray for but I didn't just pray for The next day, me and Heather, we were dating. We drove. We got in our car, and we went to our house, right? So the Lord gave me a burden. I prayed, and then I, I did, right? I went to our house. We were in a room. We were in a little room. She's an uh, artist, and we were, just, we were just hanging out for a little bit. And then I, all I did is I said, Aunt Gail, God spoke to me about you. And she fell to the ground weeping. I didn't say anything else. I said, God spoke to me about you, that he wants you. And, and me and Heather had the privilege of, of leading her to the Lord. So I get to sit down, right? So I'm going to sit down one day. I get to sit down. And when I look over, I get to see her. I get to see her. I get to celebrate. She's going to be at the party, right? And uh, so I want to do that right now. I want to do that in honor of the gospel, in honor of the lamb that was slain, in honor. I'd love to make the angels have to throw down today, right? Make them have to party a little bit today. So let's just pray. I want you to lift your, just, just, just lift your hands. Father, we give ourselves to you right now. We say, Father, you, you have made all things good. We want to be joined with you. We want to be yoked with you. We love everything that you have for us. We love, the, we love the gospel. We love your friendship. We love being your children. And we love the business of saving souls. We love that you have given us the privilege of seeing this gospel, seeing your message, seeing your heart go forth into the world. So right now, you're going to have a thought come to your mind. It's going to be one person. Father, I ask that you give every person in this room one individual, one individual that you want them to impact, one individual that you want them to share your gospel with. Right now, I want you to give it to them. I want you to give it to them. I want you to drop it on them. I want you to let, help us see that person through your eyes. Open their eyes. Help, the, help our vision as a family. Help our vision as a body. Help our vision to be lifted up. Lift it up. If you are looking somewhere, we want to look somewhere. If you're going somewhere, we want to go there. If you're going to be there, then we want to be there. If you want to say something, we want to say something. If you want to touch someone, we want to touch them. If you want to hug someone, we want to hug them. We ask you, open our eyes. Lift them up. Lift them up, Papa. Lift them up, King Jesus.
Jesus, Father, we just thank you. I thank you for Gibsonville. I thank you for the river. I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for the lives, Father. Lord, we love you. We absolutely love you. I pray, Father, that uh, as we are talking about today, that every person be yoked with you. That this place would be set on fire. That this region would be set on fire. Father, this region would be saved. That the, the, every soul, the, from the least likely to the most likely to, to the... Uh, to the uh, most famous, every soul in this region would have at least one chance to respond to the gospel in their life, would at least get one opportunity, that they would have at least one opportunity, Father. I pray right now, Father, that, that you would begin to download invitations to everyone in this room, invitations to the party, invitations to the party, Father, names, people, friends, family, that you would get, lead us to places. Lead us to places, and, and, and we will open our mouths. Father, we give ourselves to you. We say, Lord, we say, Lord, we love, we love the things you love. And we want your whole heart. We are so thankful for the way you love us. And, Lord, we want to, we want to feel the way that you love the world. We want to partner with you. <laughs>